It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, this is the Tuesday edition of Daily Thunder, and I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be in a studio with Nathan, and we're supposed to have our discussion, because that's our new model. That's what we told all of you. That's what we're doing. But this week, because of the nature of what's going on in our world, uh, Nathan and I just felt it was imperative that we sort of went through a, a different sort of series. And uh, so I'm in the chapel and addressing this from the stage. <sighs> I, I do have, I have a weighty heart. I have two things going on inside of me. I am of such good cheer and su- of such, uh, like I have this welling enthusiasm and excitement for the times in which we live. And I have a grief at the same time. So for those of you that are carrying around a deep grief, I understand, I really do, because we are losing something precious. We're seeing our nation begin to be rocked and crumble. And that's hard for those of us that love our nation. But at the same time, if you just have grief and you don't have the joy that I have, that's one of the reasons I wanted to go through this series and begin to give perspective, okay? I feel it's it's critical. The name of this series is called The Christian Response to a Crumbling America. For those of you that missed yesterday's message, it could be helpful to, to review that, that this is a standalone as well. You could just listen to this one and be, and be fully set. But this one is called Keeping Up With The News. And that's sort of an ironic uh, title because many of you do not need any encouragement to keep up with the news. What you need is encouragement to maybe stay away from the news because there's nothing good coming out of it. Uh, Many of us have been digging in the news uh, cycle just desiring some good news. There has to be good news eventually. And we're, we're expecting God to move. We're expecting God to intervene, God to do something. God, what are you doing? That's why I gave a message a, a few weeks ago called The Sleeping Savior. And I gave the story of the boat. So the disciples are in the boat that's filling up with water. It says their lives are in jeopardy and Jesus is asleep. Doesn't that sound like what we're dealing with now? Jesus, wake up. We need you to bail water. Actually, he's going to do something far greater than just bail water. He's going to calm the winds and the waves. You see, God is frying bigger fish than we can oftentimes see. And what we think is the solution in our own human mind, God, you must do this, otherwise this will happen. You see, that's the same way they looked at their Messiah way back uh, 2,000 years ago. Jesus, you need to deal with the Romans. That's our biggest problem. He says, guys, I know what your biggest problem is, and it's not the Romans. God, you have to deal with the Romans, please. Your biggest problem is not the Romans. It's sin. You see, God knows how to address our needs. Our job is to trust him. But let's dig into this. Uh, Keeping up with the news. So many of you have have heard me say this over the years, but there are always two. And all throughout Scripture, you're going to see twos. I mean, even the Bible's broken up into two. Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, You have, you know, things like darkness and light. You have death and life. And you have Adam, and you have the second man. Isn't it funny to call Jesus the second man, even though he's 77 generations later, and he's called the last Adam. And, you know, Cain and Abel, two. And you have Ishmael, Isaac, two. And you have Esau, Jacob, two. You have Saul, David. You see, it's a first and a second pattern. And the first one is rejected, and the second one is God's favored. So it's a fascinating uh, path that you can see. And, but it's, it's, it really helps with understanding God's mind and God's heart. 
Now, this is a pretty obvious one, okay, guys? There are always two. Listen to this. Bad news and good news. And that sounds like a massive oversimplification of how the Bible works, but it sort of is that way. You see, there is a voice that wants to bring you low. Remember in the Garden of Eden? You have this one voice that is trying to argue against God's word. So you have two voices. You have God saying, the day in which you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. And then you have the other one saying, you will not surely die. You have bad news and you have good news. And the word of God is full of what is known as good news. Isn't that an interesting thought that you have this, this thing known as a Bible and it is crammed full of good news and yet you're spending most of your time listening to bad news. <laughs> so I'm setting you up uh, by, by saying that. So you know, we see these different news networks and we see, you know, if you're a conservative, then you really have, you know, a bone to pick with Fox News. They sort of betrayed the conservatives. And then you have the arrival of like a Newsmax or an OAN and you have these other news uh, services. But you know what? They still are having a tough time dishing out good news <laughs> because if we look around at the state of affairs, what we see is darkness seems to have the upper hand. So I would like to promote a a different news source, okay? And because I'm not just going to try and speak from a conservative vantage point. I want to speak from a heavenly vantage point. So here's a new news ser service for you guys to check out. I'm going to call it God's News Network, so GNN. Uh, but you know what GNN is? It's the Holy Spirit. And you know what the Holy Spirit wants to uh, bring you to? He wants to bring you to the truth. You know where that truth is found? It's found in the Word of God. See, the Holy Spirit is a witness. He's the news network of God that wants to sort of ding on our app each day and say, hey, remember, this is the day the Lord has made. I want you to rejoice and be glad in it. Hey, it doesn't matter what happens. Even if evil looks like it has the upper hand, you do know that God is going to turn all that the enemy means for evil into good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. You do know what it says in the truth, don't you, says God's news network. That no weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. You do know what it says in that word, don't you? That greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. That if God be for you, who can stand against you? You see, what we need is God's news network. We need to keep up with that news. You see, if you're not keeping up with God's news, you will falter in a day of testing. So I'm going to just describe it as a heavenly perspective. See, there's two different perspectives you can have, an earthly perspective and a heavenly perspective. And one of the best metaphors for that is an eagle. An eagle has strength in its wings to fly above a storm. That doesn't mean the eagle has power to remove the storm. No, the storm's still there. But there's two ways to encounter that storm, being beneath it or above it. You see, a heavenly perspective is able to rise above a storm and see it with God's lens. And when you see things with God's lens, you don't panic. You don't fear. You don't get anxious. In fact, you rejoice. You laugh in God's perspective. However, if you're not laughing, it's very possible that you need to cultivate a heavenly perspective. And that's what's on the screen right now, the cultivation of a heavenly perspective. It's an aggressive thing. You cannot just be a victim to the news and to the circumstances around you. You have to aggressively take hold in the authority of Christ, this body that you have, this mind and the thoughts that you have, and take them captive for the will of Christ Jesus. So don't just be a dupe in this. You need to fight for the truth, but that truth needs to be inside of you. If you want to help this culture out there and help a dying, crumbling nation, what do you need? You need to be set up strong so that you're not crumbling. What's the good of the Christian life if it's crumbling when the nation's crumbling? You have to be stout and strong. 
So the cultivation of a heavenly perspective. Then I have another phrase here, the keeping of a heavenly perspective. Have you noticed that you could cultivate a heavenly perspective? And some of you, even as I'm talking, yeah, I was thinking that the other day. But then today, you're down in the dumps again. You see, it's not just cultivating it, it's keeping it. We need to constantly live with a heavenly mindset. So if we're thrown into prison, we sing songs. We don't just go down in the dumps afresh. It's like, well, I could rejoice as long as everything was going good, but now that things are going bad, I, I mean, I just can't see straight. So I'm gonna make a shocking announcement. I know this is gonna sound funny, especially with how I prepped you already, and that is the purposeful avoidance of the bad news is actually not the great secret. Now, I'm going to give, if I was gonna give a piece of advice, I would say you should spend far less time listening to the news of this earth. Okay, in fact, it could be wise for some of you to totally close off altogether. However, that's actually not the secret of having a heavenly mindset, is to just not hear bad news. That actually isn't the secret. I know, this is shocking. I'm going to give you the secret to sort of turning the tables on all this. It's the vigorous pursuit of the good news that matures the mind of the Christian. So it's not just the avoidance of the bad news, which I would highly encourage, but if you avoid the bad news, it doesn't mean you have good news. You must pursue the good news, know the good news, believe the good news, cultivate the good news, live out of that good news, praise out of that good news, worship out of that good news, serve out of that good news. <laughs> this is just the life of Christian. You see, we, how does a Christian respond to a crumbling nation? They live as a Christian. You know that nations have crumbled all throughout time and Christians have thrived? You know that when oftentimes instability sets in in a nation, that it opens people's souls up to actually hear good news? Why? Because they're sick and tired of bad news. And we are purveyors, carriers of good news. So in Psalm 11, 1 through 3, we see this interesting thing. You have two voices speaking. It's going to start in the first three verses with this voice that is haunting David. And it's speaking to David sort of like, hey, you need to give up. You need to flee. You need to panic. So listen, it says, and I'm going to call this the voice of doom. Flee as a bird to your mountain. And I put in David just to sort of help with the flow. Flee as a bird to your mountain, David. For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? You've felt that too? In fact, this is probably a quote in your mind. In fact, I've heard many Christians even say that. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? But where's that coming from? That's the voice of doom. If the foundations of this country are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, you know, there is an answer to that. I can live as a Christian because the foundations of heaven aren't removed. The foundations of God's eternal word aren't removed. Just because the foundations of a nation are removed does not mean the foundations of my life are removed. You see, this is when we rise up. Now listen, David is going to respond to this with a very poignant answer, which might be helpful for us to consider responding with. I'm going to call this the response of hope. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. That's a good thing to remember right about now. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus win at the cross? Didn't Jesus rise again on the third day? Didn't he crush the head of the serpent when he was doing his battle? Wasn't he victorious? And isn't he seated at the right hand of God? And all things are beneath his feet and he's coming again for his people? Uh, okay, let's fix our gaze heavenward. This is what David does. He says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. 
His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. It is so imperative. In fact, if you were to start going through the Psalms, last night I've been going through the Psalms throughout this whole last few months, and I mean, you just sort of feel like, uh, wait a minute, is he talking about 2020, 2021? You see, the parallels in history of the suffering of the saints is incredible, and David is an amazing enunciation of that which each of us that hold tightly to the goodness of God, to the, the righteousness of God, and have to walk through times of darkness. This is the cry of our hearts. It's actually very, very encouraging. So hope is the ever-present buoy in the rough waters of tumultuous and dark times. If you're going through tumultuous and dark times, you have a buoy, something to hold on to. It's called hope, and that is that God has promised so beware the purveyors of worst-case scenarios. You've been around anyone lately, in fact, you may be one of those, that is always saying worst-case scenarios, like, you know what, if this happens, then this could happen. Oh, you know what, if this takes place, if something doesn't happen here, I mean, by today, then this could happen. Sure, it could. I, I've told my, uh, my congregation many, many, many times, uh, you know, Eric, what about like the Illuminati? What about these conspiracies? You know, I have a great confidence that my God is greater than any conspiracy that could be hatched against his truth, his people, and his plans. Therefore, my confidence rests in a God who is greater than any Illuminati. I believe that God is greater and that his purposes will be achieved so you could talk about the conspiracies of the enemy. What about the conspiracies of God? What about God hatching plans to win it all in the end? You see, who do you think is greater? And that is why the mindset is so important in a time like this. So listen to what I say. Beware the purveyors of worst case scenarios. Okay, I want you to just put on a red alert. If you're the guy speaking it, put on a little gauge, a little alarm. It goes, eh, eh, there you go again. You're giving worst case scenario instead of God's scenario. God's going to win this. Are you saying that? The reason I want you to be aware is because they are likely personally battling anxiety and are desiring company. You see, that's how a lot of people work. They're struggling themselves, and so as a result, they try and bring others into their anxieties. It's really not a pleasant place to be. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to be a purveyor. That means someone who's giving it, someone who's sharing. Be a purveyor of hope, of good news, and of cheer. Now, I know some of you could say, Eric, if there's nothing to be happy about, how could I be a purveyor of good cheer? There is something so good that you could share today, which is good. It is exciting. It is beautiful. It is wonderful. And it didn't change just because of COVID-19. It doesn't change because of lockdowns. It doesn't change if there's a mask mandate. It doesn't change because of any of these things. We are Christians, and we live with the joy of the Lord no matter the external circumstances. So I'm going to call this the be of good cheer phenomenon. You know, all throughout uh, Scripture in the New Testament, you're going to see God, really oftentimes just Jesus, saying, be of good cheer. And yet the circumstances in which he's saying it are the circumstances that we would never think of being in of good cheer. So I'm going to give you just a couple that are really fun. Acts 23, 11. So Paul has just escaped with his life Jerusalem. And you remember when all those men packed, you know, made a pact, a covenant, and they said, we will never eat again until we kill Paul. 
Uh, yeah, that's the same story. We never knew, know what happened to those men, do we? But Paul has just uh, you know, escaped this harrowing uh, challenge, and this is what God is going to do. The Lord is going to come to him. It says, the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. Now, if you were to examine that story, because most of his next adventures are going to be very difficult, in fact, probably far more challenging than the situation he just had in Jerusalem. And yet Paul is supposed to be of good cheer because of this. You know what would make me of good cheer? That you would make all the bad guys just go away. God, please, that would make me of good cheer. But Jesus is going to say to Paul, be of good cheer, Paul, for I have a calling on your life. I have a desire to use you in this world to represent me. And you do know that nothing can stop the purposes of God. Be of good cheer. So be of good cheer, church, because God has commissioned you to represent him in the midst of all this hostility. Yeah, that is great. So the word for be of good cheer, this is how it translates, is, is basically tharseo. So this is like a commission to our souls. And so if I were to personalize it, it would sound like this. Be heartened, Eric. Get happy, Ludi. Lift that chin high and smile big, pastor. You know that I have talked with many pastors in the past just two weeks that are dealing with extreme weights upon their souls. And what they need is to hear Tharseo. They need to be encouraged afresh to remember that just because our nation's foundations are being rocked, that the kingdom of heaven's foundations are anything but rocked, they are stable and strong and fit as a fiddle and ready to undergird anyone who would stand firmly upon them. So John 16, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's pretty good, guys. So here's the final question. Are you keeping up with the good news? <laughs> so not are you keeping up with the news today. Are you keeping up with the good news? The Spirit of God wants to lead you today. And he wants to lead you to cheer, to joy, to leaping, to thriving in his kingdom. No matter the circumstances of this earth, the Christian can be full of the joy of the Lord. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Father, train our souls for this hour. Teach us how to live and to thrive in such a time as this. Lord, we want to be the church the way you designed the church to be, even amidst the crumbling nation about us. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.